0: You're listening to The Black Hole Cafe, a podcast where we spend about 42 minutes discussing a topic that has grabbed our attention and just won't let go. I'm Taylor Wingfield.
1: And I'm Richard Wingfield.
0: Welcome to The Black Hole Cafe. Dad, welcome to The Black Hole Cafe. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Taylor?
0: Pretty good. Um, So I wanted to take a moment and start I guess kind of a new segment in our show, not really a new segment, but calling it something different. Um, Off air, we've been chatting a lot about how our coffee habits have changed, all that kind of stuff. So I figure we'll start today with a little cafe update. Um, How's your cafe been going? What's changed? Any follow-ups from last episode? You know, kind of starting there.
1: Well, yeah, a couple of follow-ups. One, uh, coffee-related, we attempted to uh, do some day camping. Uh, so follow-up to a camping and coffee episode, and that it was a fail based on the parks and what was open and everything. So we did quarantine camping. We set up the tents in the living room, but I got to use my fancy machined aluminum grinder, and we had all kinds of rules about what we could do. We could only do camping-type stuff, even though we were in the apartment. So I got to use my camping-ready coffee grinder and grind coffee beans and use my Aeropress. <laughs> so I got to use the hand coffee grinder. And I couldn't use the machine one, but got to make my make my one cup of camping coffee, and it was really good.
0: Yeah, how would uh, it go?
1: It was good. It was good. I, I, you know i get a rash if i have to read instructions but i had to pull out <laughs> the instructions to figure out the dial on the bottom of the grinder to set the the grind to be the right consistency for what for pour over for aeropress but other than yeah. that other than the failure of having to read instructions which you know
0: and how hurt, i think <laughs> I, yeah fair enough i think um we also This was going to, well, I was part of my update, not really part of my update, um, was that you finally got some whole bean coffee for yourself, like to grind.
1: Oh, yes. I forgot. We talked
0: about, yeah. I don't think we talked about that on the episode yet.
1: Yeah. Some uh, little elf named Taylor got me a coffee bean subscription and the first set came in and it was really cool. Well, what's the name of the company again? It's Trade. Trade Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But they, you fill out a little form and tell them what kind, you know, how you make your coffee and how you like it and all that kind of stuff. And so they sent me the first bag and it was really good. And man, we talked about coffee being um, kind of the process of it as much as the drinking of it. So yeah, that's just, just the smell of fresh ground beans in the morning has uh, coffee beans has made a big difference. <laughs> so it's been great. Yeah,
0: that's that's sort of my cafe update is that um I have sort of become obsessed with so I also have this coffee subscription where you can kind of choose like Dad said, you choose how you brew your coffee, what kind of coffee you like, and they send you bags of coffee, um, basically every two weeks. And you can you can change the the time that you when you get your coffee, et cetera, which bags you want next, all that kind of good stuff. I just bought shelves from Amazon to put above my espresso machine so I can house all of my bags and things of whole bean coffee. And I like to try different ones, which is really fun. But now I've sort of over-indexed and you're supposed to use your beans within like 20 days. And I have like four bags of beans, and I'm getting another one this week. So, you know, I've become a little obsessed. But I'm—I've been trying to work on my coffee palate, to the different tastes and all of that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, maybe overindex just a little bit.
1: Well, I had—I had one other quick uh, update for the cafe update. Just that um, from the last recording to now, I've already binge watched your recommendation for. <laughs> Uh, uh, was it mystic uh mythic, Qu- quest. mythic yeah. quest i was watching at home alone laughing out loud it is hilarious um so anyway thank you for that uh, it there's good. not I enough of so it yet it's <laughs> like so just went right through it but
0: yes yes i'm so glad you enjoyed it any other cafe updates
1: no i think i think we're good
0: then let's move on to The topic of today's show what is on our event horizon for today
1: so the event horizon topic for today is and i'm doing air quotes you you can tell on audio podcast right so i'm doing air quotes yeah (laughs) right um real cameras and i'm gonna designate real camera as cameras with interchangeable lenses not phone cameras and the clip-on lenses to your phone kind of don't count. Right. So old school, older school, real camera, interchangeable lens uh, cameras. So that's, that's the event horizon topic for today.
0: Got it. Do you want to do your disclaimer?
1: Absolutely. The theme of this podcast is what's grabbed our attention and, and is pulling us in and, and does not make us an expert. You don't need to, well, actually, now you can tell us what your event horizons are and send us feedback and all that kind of thing, but we are not claiming to be experts. We're telling you what's grabbed our attention and why and where we are with it.
0: Cool. So we'll start like we always do. Um, How did this start for you and what was your event horizon moment when you knew you were sort of past the point of no return?
1: Well, we're going to go way back in time. <laughs> the My f- first real interactions with real cameras were in college as a freshman in architecture school where they, they said you had to have a camera. And the school had a dark room and we were going to learn to uh, develop our own film and all that kind of stuff. Now, my one of my best friends still and from high school was the photographer in high school for the yearbook and all that kind of stuff. So I'd been around cameras, but I hadn't owned one. So quick history, freshman, architecture school, pre-internet trying to do research on what to buy and getting camera magazines. And so everybody on the planet had Canons. So of course I did my research and bought a Pentax and then realized (laughs) I can't share lenses with people, but the Pentax K1000 was this great, workhorse film camera famous Pentax camera and they had just come out with a new model the Pentax ME so I had that so anyway that was early days of loving cameras and then it kind of after school fell off my radar uh, and then at some point uh, I when I was being an IT nerd and working for Apple I got a Nikon cool pics which was the closest thing to a real camera you could get in the day before iPhones. Uh, That but it didn't have interchangeable lens, Uh, and then at some point it just iPhone. Once the camera came out on the iPhone, that that ends up with the famous quote about you know what is the best camera? It's the one you have with you, which you always have the iPhone with you. Once the iPhone was out and Instagram was out, and I and I started years ago with some like oh Instagram a day, I'm going to take a photo a day. Oh, I do have to
0: say though that you were a super early adopter of Instagram like way early adopter um, because I think I also like we've had Instagram since the year it came yeah. onto the app store, you know, it was wild. I think
1: I actually got your ID on one of them, either Twitter or Instagram. I just got your ID and said, here's, here's, I got us an account on this thing. Right? So
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was Instagram. I think it was where you were <laughs> like, this is a thing, just use it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of history of it. So I've always had some interest in photography Uh, But then I think the real event horizon was probably about two years ago being frustrated with the lack of zoom on the iPhone. I realized I wanted a real camera with real lenses so I could get some longer shots and that kind of thing. So I started researching um, and I know what I knew about cameras. So in that in-between time, you had some cameras and we'll get to your story in a bit but I started with the big boys, right? Nikon and Canon. And, but then I realized for me, the smallest lightest camera I could get that had interchangeable lenses would be what I would use. And that brought me to Olympus because of mirrorless cameras and micro four thirds sensors. And so they were the smallest lightest thing you could get. So I, I did a ton of research, um, And at some point just had to pull the trigger because if not, two years later, I'd still be doing research because there's a new (laughs) camera just coming out in the next month, right? And so once I got the camera, that was the event horizon. I was hooked Mm -hmm. and I was on YouTube and relearning all the stuff I had forgotten from years ago and uh, lenses Bags, filters.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we talked last episode about D and D being an expensive hobby, but um, real cameras I think also quite oh, yeah. an expensive hobby.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's ah about as short as I can get my story. Uh, actually, one one other quick thing, just to give you an idea, when we're talking about expense and uh, why the size thing made a difference for me, so I did a quick look up. Uh, so the the and we'll talk about which camera I got later. But the Olympus I got came with the kit lens, which is a 14 to 42 zoom. And then the expense part of it later, I was like, "Oh, I'd love to have one lens that did everything." So I bought for about four or five hundred dollars. I bought a 14 to 150, which it, hopefully your head isn't spinning with numbers. Is the equivalent.
0: They told a, me there would be no math. Yeah,
1: now. right. So I'm doing the math for you. It's all <laughs> doubling. So it's, you don't you need a calculator. So my 14 to 150 would be the equivalent of a 28 to 300. And that lens is about two and a half inches by 3.3 inches and 10 ounces. And it was about four or 500 bucks. So here's my rationale real, real big full frame camera, Canon, 28 to 300 lens. Just the lens, $2,500, 7.2 by 3.6, and 60 ounces. So 10 ounces versus 60 ounces. And, and those things
0: are huge. I yeah, mean, they Yeah. Big. They have a
1: separate grip on the bottom so that you can hold the lens because the camera is just hanging off the back of this big ass yeah, lens. Sorry. Yeah, lens. Right. So,
0: yeah, exactly. So,
1: anyway, that once I found micro four thirds and knew that's what I wanted, the man i crossed the event horizon fast you know i have to admit that i have cargo pants but i can fit my camera and an extra lens in the pockets on my cargo pants right so anyway that's my story and i know you have one too uh so you know what was what was your camera journey when was your first quote real camera if we're going to talk about interchangeable lens as defining real camera
0: yeah my first real camera was I believe in high school. I have this like very specific memory of you and I standing in, and again, maybe I'm making this up, of like standing in an aisle in Best Buy. Yeah, I was
1: just gonna say, I think it was Best Buy.
0: (laughs) And like we had done some research and we kind of thought we knew what we wanted going in and then we were in the store and I think we did some you know, like in-store research or playing around or whatever. I think we ended up buying the thing that we thought we were going to buy when we went in there. And it was a Nikon D 3100 or 3500. I think it's a 3100 was the actual camera, um, which are like when I upgrade when I finally upgraded my camera, a couple my real camera a couple years ago, I mean, the place that I tried to resell it back to was like, well, I mean, I think we paid close to a thousand dollars for the camera and a lens when we bought it but when i tried to resell it back to like when i was trying to upgrade my camera and sort of get a trade-in value or whatever (laughs) uh the store that i went to in austin was like these things cost more money to fix than they are worth so here's (laughs) like maybe 50 dollars. like i I think that i got basically nothing for it but yeah so i that was my first real camera and and the reason that we we really liked or i really wanted it because of the fact that it did video as well as photography. In high school, I did my school's video news, I guess is what it was. Um, and so we would make segments for it. I also took a film class in high school. And so I had a lot of things where I was using my camera to make videos um, and to make like nicer videos. And that's really sort of what started my journey with like a a nicer camera, a nicer real camera was was really wanting to be able to create video content, um, which is different, right? it's it's not necessarily photography related and especially because you can't with even shooting video on a DSLR, you can't quite play with lighting with shutter speed right none of those things are really the same in when you're shooting video on a dslr as when you would be doing photography so you're a little bit more limited um but that was really sort of my like that was my starting point was was okay i want to make film content and i also like photography but um how do i get a really nice camera that does that does both basically that that
1: was what i remembered too and it was that I couldn't remember if you knew you were going to college to get my communications RTF, but you were doing summer camps and you were always the videographer, like all of that stuff. So, but I did remember we were not picking a film camera. We were picking, I mean, a a, a photography camera. We were look at the DSLRs and let's see which ones get the best reviews for video. Because if we go back to my story, Lumix and and Olympus, both Micro Four Thirds, when I was looking, they were like, well, if you're doing a lot of video, you might like the Lumix stuff better than the Olympus. And I wasn't. So I made my choice based on what I was doing. So that's what I remembered being at the Best Buy going, some people trying to talk us out of what we already knew, you know, more than the salespeople. And we're like, nope, this one, because it does X, Y, Z and video, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And could record video for... Oh, a, a while. Right. right. It wasn't right. like 30 seconds and then you'd be done. It was, right. you know, you could record like 10 minutes of video at a time, which was, which at that point was, was really good, um, for what I wanted and needed.
1: And I can't remember if we got multiple lenses for you back then.
0: Just one, I think. Yeah. But I think we got a specifically like the, which I think is actually just the camera that I have now. Um, is is like the the lens is basically the same it's a i think it's like maybe 18 to 24 basically what what you would look up online is like standard a good film lens all around lens right yeah. like yeah exactly you can you can sort of focus pull on film or whatever but it's not it's not huge it's just basically the standard of what you're going to want for right. the majority of stuff and i remember with that Nikon cuz most people had Canons you know like people yep. that I knew in high school they all had Canon Rebels they had right <laughs> and we got the Nikon one for the video but also what I re- really remember loving about the Nikon was the colors on the Nikon were so yep. great um, and so when you took that footage or that that photo when you put it up on your computer or whatever the photo the the colors were just absolutely beautiful on the Nikon versus you know, anything on the, on the Canon. Right. Now I have a well, Canon, but
1: you right. know. Well, and that was always the, you know, when, you, when I was doing my research again, relearning and in the last couple of years, it, <clears throat> most of the advice is the, the lens, the glass is the thing you want to spend the money on because you can change the body, right? And so I, I think I remember that as well, that we were, the Nikon was getting the best reviews back in that day for the video, early days of video nikon's always had good reviews for really good glass and then each camera people will maybe love or hate right so that was the other thing i was not looking at video i was looking at um still photography and the the their i like the way the olympus stuff comes out like how it 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 chooses to you hear the battles of people iphone and android and all that kind of stuff but a lot of what happens on those is now called computational photography because the lens isn't that great, but they're doing a lot of computation on it after the picture is taken. And so some people love the super vibrant over highlighted colors and others don't. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, same, same thing, like you are saying with, with what you back in the day, what you chose for that. But
0: yeah. And, and I also remember too, like you were saying, I, you know, my sort of journey with cameras was, um, I think I had a point and shoot camera, right? Which is what you were describing, mm-hmm. like the cool pics or whatever, right, which I right. literally you point at something and you take a photo um, similar to what your iPhone is now. And I had, um, and I, you know, I liked that and I did, I think the sort of evolution was like, even growing up, I used to do, I don't know if you remember this, but I used to do slideshow like video slideshows for my friends as like birthday presents and things like that and was really into sort of all of like the kind of creation of a story from taking the photo to you know actually creating sort of a final product and so you know finally got my hands on a DSLR I mean I still and the other thing is like I have never been very good at the mechanics of a camera of like really understanding focal length and you know, shutter speed and exposure and all of that kind of good stuff, which comes, you know, I mean, you can make a DSLR as manual or as automatic as you want it to be. And I think in the early days I was very much like, oh, it's just a fancy point and shoot camera, right? For, (laughs) and specifically, like I said, for video, you don't get to play as much, right? Because your shutter speed, your shutter is just open, right? It's not
1: put it on automatic everything (laughs) and get the focus (laughs) right. And you're, yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs)
0: It's all about the focus. And, um, and then, you know, when I started right before I went to college and I think one summer into college, I did, um, I was, as you said, a videographer for, um, for a summer camp and, but I also, we worked with the photographers super closely. So I did the, the, you know, summer camp videos. So we would go out and shoot video and then we'd edit the videos and, and, you know, create the actual session videos or camp videos. But I also got to play a lot lot, um, with the nice photography cameras that we had in, you know, at the camp. Um, And so that was really my sort of second level of, okay, people who actually know what they're doing, sort of teaching me about how to do white balance, how to do exposure. And we didn't have campers because we worked, uh, you know, as the media team. So we went out into, you know, we're in the, like out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And we would go out onto this big bluff and, you know, one, you could take long exposure photography and just see crazy amounts of stars because you're in the middle of nowhere, which was really, really cool. And I had never been really exposed to that type of photography before. Which is sort of bringing me to the other point that I wanted to talk about, which is having done stuff with DSLRs, right, and being able to see it on your screen and play really easily with the white balance, with the exposure time, with the, you know, the level of brightness. But then, which I would had to do in college, and I think you also did as well, which was shoot on actual film.
1: I, I was hoping like, you would tell this story because it's one of the things, I was like, I loved that this was one of your assignments in college for how to tell a story. And you're like, holy smoke, I got it by film? Where am I? <laughs> right, so?
0: Yeah, so that was, I think that was really, you know, one of the first classes that you have to take at the University of Texas if you're doing a film degree is basically a a storytelling class. And the first one of the first assignments you have is take four photos and tell a story with this, you know, with with these four photos or however many it was, I don't remember. But they were like, oh, uh twist, you have to not do it with your digital camera. We're giving you all these film, these old school film cameras. You have to load your film. You have to go get it developed like we didn't have to do the dark room thank goodness but <laughs> it was it was such a weird experience of you know taking photos and playing with the f stop the exposure level all of those things in a really really manual way and then having to drop off my film and wait two weeks for it to be processed and then come back and see what happened. Like uh, just crossing your fingers. As
1: far from instant gratification as you can get. Right. I mean, I tell them the story about us uh, doing the, with the architecture school doing the summer in Oxford uh, as a program. And we all took our cameras and tons of film and months later when we're back in the States, we're getting the film developed and trying to see what comes out. And there were a couple people that uh, for, you know, there's going to be this show age here, but on a film camera, you put the film canister, you open the back of the camera, you put the film canister in, you pull the film out, and then it had some gears and then you close it up and you wind it a couple of times to get the film moving. So we had a couple of people that, there were some rolls of just once in a lifetime shots traveling in Europe. And they didn't realize that the film teeth didn't grab. And so the film never came out of the canister. So they took 36 shots of this wonderful stuff and they opened up the the back of the camera and the film never came out of the roll. So those shots are gone. We're not going back to that place anymore, right? So digital, you see in a moment, whether you got the shot or not and need to retake it. And yeah, yeah.
0: And and it is one of the, I I think like most anxiety inducing things that I have done to just drop off a film role Oh, yeah. And not, not, you know, and my shots were, I mean, they were for a grade, right? But they weren't anything like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my trip to Europe. Right. Nothing's there, you know, but it was because it, you can't, You can't check. There is no way to check. There is, you have to, because the film is obviously light sensitive, you have to load the film in a dark place. You can't take it out in light because then you have just ruined your entire roll of film. And even one of the later classes that I took in college where we had to shoot video on real film was also incredibly anxiety inducing right. because it was one of those things where you just sort of, you, you also only have, it, it's like such a weird, it's such a different mentality because not only is there sort of this, okay, I'm sending this off. I don't know if any of my photos that I have crafted so carefully are going to come out. But also there's this... um it's not limitless, right? You, right? you have 36 shots. You have know, however many minutes, 30 minutes of of film role, like right. of, of reel. And you cannot waste any of it. Right, And also because it's incredible. I don't know how it was when you were in school, but now because most people shoot digitally, it is incredibly expensive to shoot on actual film, whether you're shooting photography or, or video, right? Like that was the craziest thing to me was, it was like, okay, you're asking us to do this and I have to spend how much money getting this stuff developed and how much money does.
1: Well, there's fewer, fewer people making film at all. So we are resourced to buy film, new film, and then, fewer places that are going to develop, which means it's also probably, you probably found a place local in Austin just because yeah. Austin being Austin, but, but there's there a are... lot of places where you're going to have to send it off because there's no local place that's going to develop it for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Austin is lucky. I think we maybe have, there were like two places that you <laughs> right could there, go, right, yeah. you know, that were sort of not a 45 minute drive away. Right. So felt very lucky to have even two of those you know well
1: what do they call it in digital they call it a spray and pray right just (laughs) just set it take as many shots as you can and then when you get back somewhere you'll look and see if a good one came out but if you're sitting there with a roll of 36 and you're like okay i gotta wait for the right moment you also couldn't put those film cameras on burst mode where it shoots 36 shots in a second of sports photography or whatever so yeah 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 exactly well you know it's funny that telling that story probably this is a good time to to say the camera that I chose after I did all my research yeah so I knew at some point I knew I wanted Olympus I knew I wanted micro four-thirds the the Lumix uh and Olympus were the two and the Olympus got better reviews for still photography and the Lumix cameras got better reviews for like Oh, if you're a vlogger or whatever, and you're right. doing a lot of video and I wasn't going to be doing that. So, so once I found the brand, I started looking. And of course, being the old guy and the recovering architect and loving design. So Olympus had a camera, has, still has. Um, there are rumors it's discontinued, but the rumors go back and forth. But it's called the Olympus Pen F, like the letter F. And it is a new digital camera, new in the past five years, mm-hmm. but based on a film camera called the Pen F that they had in the 60s.
0: Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me about yeah, that.
1: So it it and it and it's designed with a very retro look and it's all metal, it's not plastic, right? So
0: you can't have a camera that's not also you know, no, kind of, it can't interesting. be an ugly
1: mess, right? It can't just be, well, it takes good shots, but it looks like a fourth grader designed it. Right. So, um, nothing, no offense to fourth graders that might be listening. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> um, so I got the, I got the pin F and it was, it, it's, it's very cool. And there are people that still come up to me and go, you have a film camera and that will be the other event horizon too. At some point, I'll bet you we do, um uh, do our cafe update and I'm going to tell you about what used film camera I bought <laughs> just to you know just to say like again, I did but right. talk
0: <laughs> about an expensive hobby right,
1: right but the 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 original all the film stuff made me think of it the original Pen F they wanted the camera as easy as carry with you as a pen like a pen in your pocket right so anyway the pen cameras were super small but the Pen F took half of the frame of a, a 35 millimeter roll of film. So you got twice as many shots because it was only exposing half of each frame at a time. Mm-hmm. So it was just completely weird kind of thing. So if, anyway, and you can still find them, people have them like you can buy a, a, a working pin F from the 60s and go take film shots, so.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So okay. So that's yeah. that's the camera that you have. Say say the name of it one more time. It's, it's an
1: Olympus Pen P E N and then the letter F. Got it. Olympus Pen F. And your current. And then, you said you you upgraded, right?
0: Yeah. So I did upgrade. I upgraded a couple of years ago um, to a Canon DSLR, um, and the Canon is uh, the one that I have is a five D, mm-hmm. and I think it's a Mark II. Bought mine used. Um, because it, like I said, you can
1: spend <laughs> yes,
0: yes. so much money on on these DSLR cameras. Um, but yeah, so I, I upgraded mine again because it was sort of, at the time I was working with someone who is also a, I was working with people who were shooting film, uh, who, who were shooting video on DSLRs and also working very closely with um, someone who was sort of like a on the side photographer and had done some video. And so that was basically my people level research of film and uh, photo and photography camera in one. Um, And then I, Canon has all of these, like, you know, the 5D basically, but then the Mark II, Mark III, Mark IV, I don't know what Mark they're up to now, which is like the newest version. So I think at the time I bought mine, you know, three versions behind what was currently um, you know, what what was the newest version. And so I think that put me, um, you know, the, I think total with the lens that I bought and the body of the camera, probably close to 1300 was, was what I spent. But again, that was one lens and the body of a camera so you know it's it's absolutely an investment and as you say yours is small when i want to take my camera somewhere that is the hardest part about taking my camera is it is so big and it's fragile (laughs) because it's you know i've got i've got i can separate the lens and the body of the camera which is totally fine and easy to do but it's it is a one big weight investment to take my camera anywhere and then two also a pretty big like (laughs) stress factor for me
1: (laughs) right to travel
0: with my with my camera right i can't remember yours is the difference in size basically comes from it being a mirrorless camera versus a
1: so you you lose smaller size for mirrorless so canon nikon they'll have mirrorless versions and all that kind of stuff. And then you get more size reduction with what the sensor size is. So there's full frame, then there's APS-C, which is in between, and then there's the micro four thirds. So the, the, the sensor that's grabbing all the image is smaller. So the whole camera and the lenses can be smaller. Right. So, and, and my camera with a lens, um, and I think I got a, some kind of little case with it, but anyway, it was about the same thing about 1200. Right. So, uh, but, and Olympus has the same kind of thing where the there's our OMD these digital, I think. And then there's the, the five, the 10, the one Mark one, two, three, you know, there's this whole naming convention kind of thing, but I think on a, on a good, you can get a really good interchangeable lens body in the four to $500 range and then whatever lens you want to put on it. And I think that's true for Nikon, Olympus, Fuji, Canon, you know, any of them, they, they yeah. have a good range now where the professional is going to spend 10 grand, but you can spend 500. Right? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: The other part of that is what's your use case, right? So you are buying a camera doing video, knowing that, those are more scheduled shoots, right? We're gonna do a video for something, so I'm gonna put my big bag together and we're gonna go out to this location and we're gonna shoot video. I knew I wanted a camera to take with me to to be able to pull out any time and take a picture.
0: That is absolutely true. It's definitely the use case of using my camera is I am, I generally don't pull that camera out unless I know that I'm going somewhere either to shoot film or to do photography. I will say in quarantine, uh, I have been doing a lot of iPhone photography and food photography. (laughs) Right. And we keep getting, my boyfriend and I keep getting people commenting on our Instagram stories, etc., asking like what lighting how are we lighting things (laughs) basically and so that was actually a gift from from you which um i have absolutely enjoyed and has really made me actually now want to bring out my my big camera to start taking food photography so who knows maybe i will since now it's i'm not scheduling time to go out and shoot i am you know at home maybe it's time to Time to set up a tripod in the house and right. actually do some lovely food photography and up that game a little bit. So who knows? Who knows? And
1: we'll put link in the show notes as we do some of these things. So the the little lighting thing is a battery powered USB charged battery powered loom cube, loom 2.0 I think, but it's it's what about an inch square?
0: Yeah. Uh Inch and a half maybe? Inch and a half, yeah.
1: Just a cool little, um, little additional light source that makes all the difference.
0: Okay. So talking about gadgets, tech, resources, <laughs> what are the things that, that you have been using, or, I mean, I know you've done so much research, like so, you so much more knowledgeable about real cameras than I am. And I went to school <laughs> for it. So share your knowledge.
1: Well, I, you know, I would say one is, um, it, cause I give this profession, this advice professionally around tech and computers. Now it, it's no longer about speeds and feeds and how many megapixels and how many megahertz your computer is like figure out what you're going to use this technology for whatever it is, mm-hmm. if it's a camera or a computer. Uh, so figure out your use case and then do some research and then pick something, right? Because if you wait for the n- coolest, newest, best thing, you're never gonna buy anything because stuff's always around the corner, whether that's the iPhone or a camera or whatever. So I figured out my use case. I knew that it was, I wanted interchangeable lenses, the smallest thing to carry with me, or I wouldn't use it. If you're a videographer, your, your research and your choice is gonna be completely different than what I did. Um, there is a ton of stuff on YouTube now. There's also a ton of snobs and angry people and whatever <laughs> else. Um, As
0: there always uh, are. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, the, so YouTube's a great place. I started there with, man, I vaguely remember stuff from college about cameras, but I need to relearn. Yeah. I started there and then I quickly got tired of some of those folks. Some were fantastic, and, but it's all free, so you get what you pay for. So the other two resources that I used were Udemy and Creative Live, and those are paid. Some of them, like you can get subscriptions and take all the content you want. Uh, it's kind of like what are the other ones? Masterclass and some of those
0: yep. mm-hmm.
1: kind of things. But Udemy has some. You can just hone in and go, hey, for ten bucks, I can get a course on basic photography from somebody who knows what they're doing and watch it over and over again. So. Um, I started there and uh, B&H online, B&H Photo as a website for like pricing cameras and that kind of thing and Adorama, both of those are really good. And both of those companies who sell online have YouTube channels and instructional stuff as well. So I've kind of like supporting those yeah uh, a lot of people aren't going to have what you have, like in Austin, where there's really cool camera place. You can go talk to humans who are uh, yeah, you, know, like, pre- you went to Precision Camera, <laughs> Precision, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Precision Camera, I watched some of their videos on YouTube. yeah, uh, I just couldn't and, you know, drive to Austin to buy my camera, right? So <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's what I was, yeah, I got really lucky because Precision was such a great resource. They have, the, th- the thing that I loved about precision, one, it was a great resource for me throughout all of college. It was basically the one-stop shop for everything that we had to do in film school was like, right. <laughs> oh, well, if you have questions, just go to precision, you know, right. But the other thing is that i or that I would say at least was don't be afraid to buy an older version or a refurbished or used version from a reputable seller don't
1: Yep, i have a resource for that so keh oh. so um it just i think it's just keh.com but it's a, okay. it's a used camera place but stuff is warrantied it's good it's not roll the dice like you get on ebay and yeah you know, all that kind so, of thing so i have that was going to be my recommendation for oh, people nice. getting for people getting started I did not do this because I researched for months and then <laughs> I knew by then I knew what I wanted and I went and bought it. Um,
0: and the nice thing for me, I got really lucky was I couldn't go, I could go to precision, talk to the folks behind the counter, tell them what my use case was, say, this is what I think. Did, did I do it right? And they were like, yep, absolutely. You, yeah, you, you yeah. did the right thing. And and so I could, and I could see cameras and do that. But, but yeah, I would say, well, I would have were, certainly agree
1: with you on the, Older cameras. You, especially if you're just getting started, you don't need all the bells and whistles, yep. right? So, uh, the other thing is, if you have a place like Precision, and there's some, uh, still some photography stores in Houston as well, a lot of those places will rent you a camera. So, if you wanna, now you're not gonna get to rent. They're not gonna have every model available to rent. But some, sometimes you could go, hey, I just want to rent this camera for the weekend and see if. It's what I like. Um, so the camera stores will typically have used gear because people are trading in and trading up. Um, and then someplace like KEH uh, uh, online. Uh, and I think B&H and Adorama also have used cameras. So there's lots of places to get started without uh, spending a ton of money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your... One recommendation for someone who's just either just getting started or just your favorite thing that you've discovered in the world of real cameras?
1: Oh man, that's 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 hard because I think, um, the, the like you said, I did a lot of research, but I also because of the being in the tech industry, I know people can, can get stuck in that doing research forever um i i think watching the as a resource the udemy and creative live and even some of the stuff on on youtube i mean i quickly found the ones so like okay I, i don't like the way this person presents their video their demeanor whatever it is but i found some resources that helped me figure out what i wanted right like Oh, I'm not gonna be a wedding photographer, so I don't need to watch all this stuff about how to do wedding photography and whatever. So um, so I think that plethora of resources to learn at your own pace and figure that stuff out uh, would, would be one half of the resource. And I think the other would be something like KEH or someplace where you can buy a used camera Because you can watch that stuff all day long, but until you get out and play with the camera, uh, you know it's it. it, You sit there, I sit there and nod my head and go, "Oh, that's cool," and and then I go out and try it and go, "Wait, this is kind of (laughs) hard." Taking this kind of, uh, I wanted a panning and zooming shot, and I wanted all the blurry lights at night on the autos and you know whatever it is. Uh, So I think you know. Find one of those resources, YouTube, Udemy, Creative Live, someplace where you can uh, get to know a little bit more. Because if you want to go to sleep immediately, try reading a camera manual. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> to find that resource online, do that. And then if you if you have a friend that you can borrow a camera from that's, you know, I'm not sure I would loan my camera to anybody because they are expensive pieces of kit, but you could maybe rent one or buy a cheap used one. I mean, I got one for Giovanna over the holidays. Now it's like six models old of an Olympus, but we can change lenses on it. And I think I got it for 50 bucks. Like you were talking about, they were only yeah, give um, you 50, but it's good enough to get started with. And it still takes great pictures.
0: Right. I mean, I would say for me, like the one recommendation I would actually have for just this is more about photography versus real cameras. Cause I think all of yours are, are great that that's like the only recommendation or the stuff you need to know when you're trying to get into real cameras. Um, but I think for me, for photography, the, the one recommendation I have is really to get what you gave me, which is a dedicated light source to understand how light plays into your photos. I I think that's like the biggest, like if you want to learn, if you want to get better at photography is get a light and start playing with it. Even if you're using your iPhone camera, because lighting is such a like huge thing in photography. This is more photography related versus camera related. No, but but
1: I like that because I I know there were courses on Udemy and creative live and blah, blah, blah. Uh, YouTube, et cetera, that were use your iPhone, but how do you take better pictures? So it's about composition and lighting and those kinds of things. So that's even better resources. Like, yeah, if you've got a camera already, because almost everybody's got a reasonably good camera in their phone, iOS or Android, look at some of those courses, you can turn on a lamp in your house and take pictures of, you know, a little figurine or whatever it is and learn more about photography and that without spending any money, yeah.
0: And I think too, Ray, especially during, at this point when it's not as easy to go out and rent a camera or, you know, have, be able to, you could do that research, right, but you can't necessarily try things as easily and you're confined to your house You have just, you have all the things you need to get started. So if you want to start doing that, I think that's like, especially in in sort of the time we're in right now is a really great way to learn how to take better photos, even if you're not quite ready to upgrade your camera yet.
1: Yes. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that leads us to our next segment, which is the media black hole. So, uh, in this segment we talk about some kind of movies books tv uh each of us give a recommendation about uh, what what maybe is a good media black hole to go into so uh taylor do you have a recommendation this week on a media black hole
0: i do um so my recommendation this week is actually something that i've been binging for the last week or so maybe a little bit longer, um, which is, it's on Netflix, it's Avatar The Last Airbender, which is an anime that was popular when I was young. I think it was, you know, maybe 2007 was when it was airing on Nickelodeon. Um, And it is one of those things that I never, I watched maybe a couple episodes as as a kid, like while it was actually airing, but so many people have said now as an adult, like, oh, you've never seen the full show? What are you doing? You need to go and watch it. You have to go and watch it. Um, so my boyfriend and I decided, okay, we were finally – this seemed like a good time to do it, and we are halfway through the final season. There's only three seasons, um, and the episodes are pretty short. I think they're less than 30 minutes. Um, but uh, it is – I know it's made for kids, but honestly – I was I was concerned that I people only really loved it because they watched it when they were younger and the nostalgia of it was what they loved, but honestly, it is a super super good show and I would highly recommend. It's family friendly, which I don't know if you and Giovanna have watched it.
1: No, and we might because I, I've heard this recommendation on many uh, geek nerd podcasts about people going, "Oh no, it's great!" and. um And I'm already into that stuff. Like, I've joked with people before that um, I've loved having children because it would let me go to all the kid movies I would look goofy going to by myself. But, you know, the movies like the Shrek series, there's as much in there for adults as there is for the kids, right? So.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I'm really, honestly, the, the thing that has been so surprising about going through this show is how. I guess how mature the themes are. I mean, the show is silly and it's a kid show, absolutely. But even as an adult, like a lot of these things still resonate, you know, it's still so relatable even as an adult and so well written. It's a lot of fun. I would say it is a really good, for those those folks who are quarantined with family, right? And with younger kids, it is a really good recommendation for something you could watch together. And it would, and you're not going to want to, you know,
1: pull right. your eyes
0: out. <laughs> right. I remember trying to convince you to go to the Pokemon movie with me. And it was, uh, that was a battle, you know? Yeah, some, yeah. Some and kids I lost that
1: toy <laughs> I lost that battle and uh, I'm still scarred from the Pokemon movie. But my, my pick for this week is uh, funnily enough, going, going back uh, in time and thinking, okay, well, if you, if you do have time and, you know, we're still lots of stay home if you can and that kind of thing. uh, Certainly formative in my youth, the, it's available with Disney plus you can get free trials, whatever. So the, the full star Wars series, so you could, you could decide you could stay fairly busy. Um, and watch all the Star Wars movies. Uh, understanding that there are three in the series that did not really happen. They are—they were just a mirage, a bad dream. So there's not as many as you would think if you look something up on the web about how many Star Wars movies there are. Uh, uh, Misa say don't watch the first three.
0: <laughs> well, I was gonna say like, also, I mean, very formative for me growing up because those were the ones that came out when I oh, was gosh. young. And I always feel like that is, that is the how you can tell – I think this was a joke in a TV show, but I feel like it's so true. You can tell someone's age by whether or not they think, like, Jar Jar Binks was funny. Right. Like basically, like, if you think it's funny, then you were a child when <laughs> – those happened and if you think it's horrific and annoying then you were obviously an adult and you knew better um but yeah i mean i think that's a great recommendation i feel like for me at least and it's it feels very similar with like what i would consider harry potter too of of feeling those movies feel very comforting to me right um the original trilogy, even the, the newer ones, right, that have come out recently, that whole universe just feels very comforting and sort of nostalgic and homey and, and something that feels fun and comforting to go back to and rewatch. So I think that's a great recommendation. I,
1: I guess we've modified that binge-watch the Star Wars series and uh, additional movies, and then based on how old you are, you will decide how many of those movies actually exist.
0: Yes, exactly. And then,
1: uh, <laughs> Avatar, The Last Airbender. Those are the media black hole picks.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for joining me today at the Black Hole Cafe to discuss your latest obsession, although maybe not latest obsession, but ongoing obsession. Yeah, ongoing. <laughs> ongoing, yes. yes.
1: You're right. Well, um, fun being here. Always great having these conversations. Uh, and you know, I think uh, that this—I know this was my obsession topic for the week. Uh, we'll see what we have next week. Do you do you have ideas yet on what is going to be your uh, black hole pick next week?
0: I've been thinking about it, and I really think it has to be something food-related, um, just because it's been what's consuming me most recently. So maybe something around. I was thinking baking could also do something like home workouts or running, but I really just honestly don't know how much longer I can put off not talking about baking and like the, the food that I've been making in quarantine. So I feel, I feel like I, I, I have to do it at some point just so then I can give follow up updates in future
1: episodes. (laughs) I, I think the Taylor's quarantine cooking show definitely needs to be the next episode. And, um, it, it, and it ties right in the follow-up to the camera stuff because the photography of the cooking has been part of it so
0: that's so true it has been a really really big part of that okay okay so i think then yes that is that is what we'll do sounds good well thank you all for listening today we'd really love it if you subscribe to our show and your podcatcher of choice and if you would rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, and we'd love to hear from you as well. You can send us um, an email at info at theblackholecafe.com or let us know what's been on your event horizon at, on the web at www.theblackholecafe.com or Facebook or Instagram at theblackholecafe.com or on Twitter at
1: blackholecafe.
0: Dot com. Thanks again for listening and take care and don't forget your towel. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening.